Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard. Well, I'm all alone this week. John is working on our newest special, uh, John Tesh, Songs and Stories from the Grand Piano, which is uh, it's going to be on public television uh, early next year. But our guest this week is Dr. Daniel Amen, founder of the Amen Clinics. He's a clinical psychi- psychiatrist, and uh, his new book is called The End of Mental Illness. Uh, he is a very sought-after clinician, a very sought-after interview guest, and his book is all about these connections between our lifestyle choices, our diet, our exercise routines, uh, all the things that, we're, that we do, and our mental health uh, down to you know, bipolar disorder. So uh, before we get into any of this, just, just so you know, if you are currently diagnosed with or dealing with um, any kind of mental disorder that requires medication, I would suggest that you not stop your medication, but that you try some of these lifestyle uh, uh, lifestyle changes that we're going about or that we're about to talk about uh, under the supervision of your current uh, psychiatrist. So things like exercise, and again, Dr. Amon will get into the details, but uh, and and cutting out sugar, basic uh, kind of diet exercise things. Again, do not try that. and Do not go cold turkey on your medicine. Definitely work with your current clinician if you have any mental illness. Just a quick disclaimer there. Anyway, without further ado, I'm very, very excited to bring you Dr. Daniel Amen. Dr. Daniel Amen. I mean, world famous. Uh, the Amen Clinics are, are world famous, as well as you have those, the, the, those PBS specials that you do that we've seen where, where you talk about brain health. Uh, you are a very sought after guest. We really genuinely appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for being with us. Well, what a joy to be on with you again. Um, so you've got a new book coming out, The End of Mental Illness. Uh, and and uh, mental illness is one of those things that gets talked about so much. Uh, I mean, it, it, that, that the movie Joker is essentially, even though it's a comic book movie, is essentially a movie about mental illness. Uh, we always default to talking about mental illness when we talk about broader social issues. Uh, how... I, if, if this is truly the end of mental illness, that would be amazing. How is how are you going to accomplish that? Well, at Amen Clinics, we have been imaging the brain for the last almost 30 years. Mm. And one of the first things our brain imaging work taught us is that what we're dealing with are not mental health issues at all, but rather they are brain health issues that steal your mind. And this one idea changes everything. Get your brain right and your mind will follow. I learned a long time ago, nobody really wants to see a psychiatrist. No one (laughs) wants to be labeled as defective or abnormal, but everybody wants a better brain. So what if mental health was really brain health we would completely disrupt what we do to help people with anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, bipolar, because the first thing we do is actually change their diets. Interesting. We get them to exercise. We would see the brain as a physical organ, just like your heart, and we would treat it that way, which would dramatically decrease the incidence of mental illness in this country. I, I, so I've heard, and, and I, I think um, I think America in particular is kind of behind on this. The 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 notion that the gut is the second brain that are that the amount of serotonin produced by having a good probiotic gut health uh, is significant in regulating mood, et cetera. So 
what should we be eating? I mean, first of all, do you buy into that notion? It seems like you do. And secondly, what should we be eating in order to generate the neurotransmitters that we're talking about? So there's this fascinating study from Australia where researchers looked at two outer islands. One had fast food restaurants, the other didn't. And what they did is they measured the level of depression in the population mm. and also the omega-3 fatty acid levels in their diet. Mm. And on the uh, island with the fast food restaurants, they had significantly lower levels of omega-3 fatty acids and five times the level of depression. Okay. It's the food. And omega-3 fatty acids are just one of the cornerstones to start with. So it's decreasing omega-6 fatty acids, corn, soy, processed foods, increasing omega-3s. So they're healthy fish, avocados, nuts and seeds, green leafy vegetables. If you think of a plate 70% should be colorful, uh, plant-based foods, not Skittles, but colorful <laughs> and, um, 30% high quality, clean protein with healthy fat mixed into all of it. Um, when in the late 1970s, the U S government decided that fat was the enemy and everything went to low fat, right. the incidence of obesity, diabetes, and depression skyrocketed. Um, I'm very proud of myself today. I got my heart numbers back, you know, cholesterol and all of that, and they're just perfect, which made me really happy. But I see too often people see cholesterol as the enemy, right. and lower is better, when under a total cholesterol of 160 is associated with homicide, suicide, ADHD, autism, and death from all causes. You need healthy fat in your diet. So is it a mental illness or a brain health problem? Mm. And what I would argue, it's a brain health problem. Right. And when you see it that way, you're going to eat better. You're also going to exercise better. Right. You'll supplement better. And we won't have to shame you in the process by saying, oh, you're bipolar or, oh, you have panic disorder. You have OCD. And, and in 1979, when I told my dad I wanted to be a psychiatrist, he asked me why I didn't want to be a real doctor. <laughs> why I wanted to be a nut doctor and hang out with nuts all day long. And it hurt my feelings. Well, I can imagine. But 40 years later... I sort of get where he was coming from, yeah. but everybody wants a better brain. It's true. Yeah, we, we all, I mean, and look, you, you bring up a good point about the exercise. And um, I've been, I've, I've done the ketogenic diet for a long time, and that involves a lot of healthy fats. I, I try to do clean keto, um, but which is, involves a lot of uh, healthy fats like avocado. I mean, I eat a lot of avocado, a lot of nuts, a lot of leafy greens, um, and, and try to keep the saturated fat down. But, but, um, I've noticed a huge difference in how my brain, my focus, my mental energy uh, changes when I am not having the processed carbohydrates from the standard Western diet that I would normally be eating. Um, and I can feel a difference too when I have sugar at just what it does to my mental health and the, the, the crash afterwards, the depression that's associated with it. I, I feel bad. So, and that's what most people do, but that's what is put in our face over and over and over again. 
there's a writing device I love in my new book uh, called If I Was an Evil Ruler. And I wanted <laughs> to create mental illness in America. What would I do? And I'd basically create the fast food industry that is destroying the health of America. I was driving from Newport Beach, where I live, to LAX um, to go speak in Chicago. And on the left side of the freeway is a sign, uh, a billboard for this incredibly terrible sandwich from AMPM. It's called the Tower of Tortoise Sandwich. And, <laughs> it's, and I'm like, it's a weapon of mass destruction. But as I turn my head to the right side of the freeway, I saw a billboard for lose weight with lap band. And I'm like, this is American society. We're going to encourage you to let your inner child get out of control by eating incredibly awful food. And then we're going to fix you with surgery. And I'm like, this is the society we live right, in. Right. We can do better. If you just think of Happy Meals, they're not happy. What they do is they have pro-inflammatory foods that increase the risk of depression in children. And, but nobody's thinking about this or calling out, um, you know, we have world-class athletes going to the White House to celebrate their accomplishments and they're feeding them fast food. I'm like, that's an evil ruler strategy. And that's not a political statement. No, I get what you're saying. Because um, I'm an equal opportunity hater when it comes to, <laughs> you know, the craziness in Washington. But it's like, no, that doesn't make sense. You know these athletes can't perform at a high level if they're eating terrible food. And just yesterday, Major League Baseball came out and said they're no longer testing for marijuana. Like all of a sudden, marijuana is a safe drug for um, ball players to um, take when our research shows I published a study on a thousand marijuana smokers compared to healthy virtually every area of their brain is lower and it prematurely ages the brain now I'm a fan of legalizing it so let's not put these people in jail but I'm not a fan of let's say it's innocuous because it's not do you think, uh, not and this is going to get it down into a weird place, but do you think that alcohol is, is at the same level as, as the marijuana in terms of what it does to your, to your brain? Does this research support that? So both is bad. I mean, no question, both are not good for optimizing the physical functioning right. of your brain. But teenagers who smoke marijuana increases their risk of psychosis 450%. Right. Teenagers who smoke marijuana in their 20s have a higher incidence of anxiety disorders, depression, and suicide. Um, I'm not a fan of either because, you know, my wife is a nurse and why does she put alcohol on your skin before she gives you a, sh a shot is it kills the bugs. It sterilizes your skin. Mm -hmm. So when you're drinking alcohol, as you mentioned earlier about the gut brain connection, you have a hundred trillion microorganisms or bugs in your gut that make neurotransmitters, that detoxify your food, that protect the cell wall lining in your gut and alcohol disrupts the microbiome. So that's not a good thing either. So, all right. So, so basically these are, th I know you're a big fan of, um, of the first step in the whole process of improving your mental health, improving your brain is to understand your brain and to then be, so that you can begin optimizing it. I've heard you say that before where you need to, you need to have a baseline in order to start the process of optimizing. And what I'm hearing you say now is that these, Although not 
terribly, not a huge public health crisis, but a, um, but these recreational drugs are, are, are really hurting that process of brain optimization. Um, so what can people do if they want to enjoy life, so to speak, is, is a little bit of wine. Okay. I mean, and, and, uh, cheesecake at a wedding, is that fine? Or, or, or do we really need to hold the line a hundred percent of the time? So think 95-5. Try to make really good decisions 95% of the time. I mean, if you really love yourself, do it 100% of the time. Because ultimately, doing the right thing is never you should. Or if you have the idea you're depriving yourself, it's the wrong thought. Mm -hmm. Because when you do the wrong thing, you're depriving yourself of what you really want, which is energy, focus, health, and Mm. longevity. I mean, if you love your life. And so a couple of years ago, I came across this concept. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been in a bad relationship, but my first marriage was a bad relationship. And I've (laughs) Persistent. I hung in there for 20 years until I realized being persistent is not always a good thing. Stalkers are persistent. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, good point. And and so, you know, when, when I got divorced just about 20 years ago, I told myself I'm not going to do bad relationships anymore. And I'm married to my best friend. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not going to be in a bad relationship. I've had so many people go, but I love sugar. And I'm like, well, does it love you back? It's pro-inflammatory. It right. increases erratic brain cell firing. It's addictive. Um, is it, you know, serve your health or does it steal your health? Doing the right thing is always about love. And as we come toward the holidays, it's another weapon of mass destruction. We're going to celebrate Jesus's birth or you know, however you celebrate the holidays by getting people sick. And it's like, <laughs> now, nah, does that make any sense? So we're going to be on the cycle again. Oh, January 1st, I'm going to get healthy. Right. Uh, I love, you know, lose weight through the holiday groups. Right. Just so that you can get your mindset right. It's always, you always have the decision to serve your brain or to hurt your brain. Um, research has shown that people that do their New Year's resolution a month or two early, that begin in November or December, have a better chance of maintaining whatever their New Year's resolution is deeper into the year. Um, and I think a big part of that is that you you begin to practice the discipline earlier. You begin to practice the discipline through the holidays like you're talking about. When you talk about making people sick, you're talking about all of the sugar and inflammatory foods that we eat, correct? That's what you're saying? Along with the alcohol. Yeah. Uh, Mixed with the chronic stress of having to see your family and them reminding you of all the terrible things you did 50 years ago. So, (laughs) yeah, you know, I have five sisters and, you know, they just can't stop going back to you did this when you were eight years old. I'm like, on, let's move on. (laughs) I'm not doing it now. And uh, that was not. It wasn't yesterday. Um, I, I do before. I, I know you have uh, you have a very tight clinical schedule, so I, I do need to let you go. But I do want to talk about a couple of things first. One is you've talked about the importance of exercise, and and anecdotally, I know that feeling. If I exercise first thing in the morning, it sets the tone for my whole day. I'm better able to focus. Um, I'm better able to. Uh, I, I process emotions better. I'm better able to handle setbacks from the day. You just just being able to process the difficulties of the day. Why, why is that so, I mean, I understand anecdotally, but why is that, what's the, uh, the actual science behind that? So it increases blood flow to your brain, which is a major risk factor. So in the end of mental illness, I talk about if you want to keep your brain healthy, 
or rescue it if it's headed to the dark place. Mm-hmm. You have to prevent or treat the 11 major risk factors that steal your mind. And we know what they are. And exercise actually goes after six of the risk factors. It helps blood flow, it decreases aging, helps to balance your blood sugar. When you exercise in the morning, it also helps your sleep. It helps uh, your mood uh, and memory as well. It actually helps to grow your hippocampus. So it is just a universal treatment for all mental health issues. And what kind of exercise should we do? And I, I used to run a lot, but I do more strength training now. Is that okay? So I think strength training is really important because the stronger you are as you age, the less likely you are to get Alzheimer's disease. But I think you should also be doing coordination exercises uh, like dance or tennis or table tennis because it works this area of your brain at the back bottom part of your brain called the cerebellum, which is involved in coordination, but also processing speed, how quickly you can integrate New information and new research shows people who play racket sports live longer than everybody else. Wow. And I, I know you've talked in the past about one of the benefits of racket sports is that it's a non-contact sport. You're not going to bump each other's heads at all. Um, but it seems like there's an additional benefit to the racket sports of the of the additional level of coordination that, that's benefiting your brain. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. So get a table tennis table, play with your kids, play at a high level, get lessons. Um, it's really aerobic when you begin to play at a good level. Yeah. And you got to get your eyes, hands and feet all to work together while you think about this spin on the ball. Time to get my tennis racket out of the garage and start playing again. Uh, the guest today, Dr. Daniel Amen, thank you so much for your time and ask you two last questions before I let you go. First and foremost, uh, how can people follow up with you? Thank you so much for asking. Um, If they go to endofmentalillness.com, they can actually pre-order the book and get all sorts of wonderful gifts. To learn about the clinical work we do, they can go to amenclinics.com. So amen, like the last word in a prayer, clinics.com. Links to both of those in the show notes that you guys can follow up. Uh, and, and, uh, the end of mental illness. I mean, there's so much more that I, I want to talk to you about this, uh, because I think it's, again, I think it's a really important issue. So we're going to have to have you back again. Uh, but one last thing, and I ask it to everybody, what is something that we can all start doing today that will make our lives a whole lot better? So the little tiny habit I talk about in the book takes three seconds. Uh, before you go to a decision point in your, bre- in your day, just ask yourself if what you're about to do is good for your brain or bad for it? And if you can answer that question with information and love, you'll radically change the health of your brain. Mm. There we go. We all need a healthier brain. The book is how to do it. Uh, the guest, Dr. Daniel Amen. Once again, thank you so much for your time and and uh, in, enjoy the rest of your of your day. Great. Happy holidays. Thank you. Likewise. Well, that's it for our show today. Uh, once again, just want to thank our special guest, Dr. Daniel Amen. Uh, link to where to pre-order his book, which is not out yet. I'm sorry, but you can get all kinds of information about it in the show notes, as well as following up with him at the Amen Clinics. Uh, make sure that you do that. He's got tons of resources online. Uh, and yeah, thank you guys. We really appreciate you guys listening. Special shout out again to John. You can actually pre-order John's book now. I'll put a link to that in the show notes so that you guys can pre-order the new book that he's been working on. Uh, and we again, we got all kinds of television specials coming at you in the new year. But uh, most of all, we just want to thank you guys so much for listening. 
Our show today was written and produced by me, Gib Gerard, produced by Chrissy Wall and executive producer John Tesh. Uh, if you would like to follow up with us, facebook.com slash John Tesh is where we spend most of our time, all kinds of videos and stuff going on there. Uh, we go live there. Also, you can find John on Twitter at John Tesh, on Instagram at John Tesh underscore IFYL. I am Gib Gerard. Find me at facebook.com slash Gib Gerard or on Instagram and Twitter at Gib Gerard. Uh, I try to respond to every message or mention about the show because it is so important to me and because I do it for you guys. So if there are guests or things that you want us to talk about, you let me know. But most of all, uh, oh, yeah, if you like the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. It makes a big difference. And share this with a friend. But most of all, thank you guys so much for listening.